Hey, it's your boy, the Big Aristotle Shack, and this is the Prime Time Podcast from the Bros Who Think Network. Bitches. What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Prime Time Podcast. My name is Charles Reese, your host, and today we are previewing the LSU Tigers versus Utah State matchup as the Aggies come into Baton Rouge to take on the fifth-ranked LSU Tigers. As LSU falls a spot after not playing last week, uh, LSU looks to get things back on track um, after the bye week, get some guys back from injury. Uh, but tonight joining me is Isaac Draxler of the Aggie Up podcast. But first, uh, Josh Samoyne is joining me as always. Josh, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. Getting ready for the big game. So, Josh, looking at things that – we saw from the first four games, you know, LSU's schedule kind of like, you know, little stretches. They have four, four, and four. Looking at that first four games, you know, we broke down each game individually, but as a whole, what were some good things, what were some bad things that you would like to see this team either continue to do or to fix going into this Utah State matchup? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious one that we want to continue to do good is this offense. You know, we've talked about it over and over again now for – you know, over a year, Charlie, you know, would we actually transition to a true spread attack? Not only did we transition to a true spread attack, we transitioned to arguably the best offense in, in the country. You know, it, it is the highest offense in the country. Uh, so, you know, obviously when we want to continue to grow that offense, grow the spread, grow the RPO, um, see a little bit more creativity as they move into the meat of the schedule, um, in, into conference play. Uh, you know, so I think that's the one that it's just, you know, obviously glaring. We won it for 10 years at LSU. Sands out. Let's keep moving, moving down the road with this offense and just, you know, if we can make it even more creative, let's do it. Um, we're averaging almost three points a game, which is unreal. I mean, even said that at LSU. Uh, when, when you look at on the other side, Charles, and um, areas that we need to improve on, um, and it's just odd. It's just one of them odd years, right? We usually talking good about the defense, but uh, it's the tackling um, on the defense. Not just the tackling. I tweeted this out last night, Charles, and probably get your opinion on this a little bit. Is that the defense needs a identity, like a leader? It's just it's kind of like the defense is missing it. Who who is LSU on defense? Um, so that's what I'd like to see maybe in this next next four games, Charles is. Who is LSU's defense? Are we going to be, you know, are we going to give up a little bit more points because we run in the spread attack? That's fine, but that's just who we are because um, we're on the field more, um, you know. But are we going to kind of be an old traditional LSU defense where we're going to hit you in the mouth? I'd like to see over the next four games find some type of like, who we are as a defense. Yeah, you know, you would like to see this defense improve. And they're definitely going to get a, uh, a test this weekend as they're going to be facing a quarterback and Jordan Love, who on the season's 65% completion rating, guy's only been sacked twice. Yes, he's thrown some interceptions, which, you know, Josh, in my opinion, if he doesn't have three picks against Wake Forest, they beat Wake Forest, and this Utah State is undefeated. A Wake Forest team that beat UNC, that took UNC down to the wire, uh, not, uh, not UNC, took Clemson down to the wire this past week. So you have to think this Utah State team is pretty talented, but Jordan Love himself is immensely talented. No, Charles, I mean, it's it's easy to see. You know, I, I knew Jordan Love. I knew who he was. You know, he got some hype last year. He went 11-2 and two with Utah State. I caught a little, a few games, but when I started to, to dive into the tape a little bit, I was 
kind of blown away. Like, wow. I mean, he is what I'm, you know, everything I've heard. Um, he's just so compact uh, when he throws the football. It's so smooth. Um, he's pretty accurate passer, uh, you know, especially for a guy that, that was ranked so low coming out of high school. Um, you know, he's one of them guys that he blossomed kind of late, but man, he's impressive. You know, I looked at the last couple of days, y'all, and it seems like most people have him kind of fallen somewhere between like fit number 15 and 25 in the first round. Granted, we got to go through all the workouts in the combine, but you know, Charles, I mean, call me crazy, but he has it all. You know, when you look at the build, the arm strength. Uh, how tall he is. I think maybe at the combine, a kid like this, it could really help him a lot get out there and compete against some some of these other top guys. And you can't forget about his arm and his throwing motion. His release is extremely fast. And look, he has some Patrick Mahomes-ness in him. The way he's able to just flick that ball and get it down 40, 50 yards with ease uh, is incredible, you know. But, you know, something else I want to talk about is their two-headed running back attack. Um, Jalen Warren and Gerald Bright. Uh, one guy has a, a, a good game in Warren against Wake Forest, and it's kind of like they go back and forth, but they're very balanced. As, uh, Warren has 50 carries, Bright has 60, and you only have 160 attempts in terms of uh, throwing the ball this year. So this team is like 60-40, you know, 50-50. You look at their yards per game. Uh, they have 533 yards per game, 326 through the year, and 206 on the ground, I mean, in some sense, more even more balanced than LSU, right. which is going to test this defense. You know, defensive line's not going to be fully healthy. Yes, I think Chase on plays. Does Lawrence play? I don't know. Divinity didn't practice today. We were hoping we'd get him back, but now Divinity coming back is up in the air. So, you know, it, it's going to be another game for some of these young guys that are going to be playing spots against Florida, you know, with Damone Clark, um, and Jacoby Stevens playing a more important role as a safety. And, you know, maybe this is the time where Grant Delpit comes down more instead of playing that deep free safety. Ryan Clark broke it down this week and said, you know, he's sitting out there like a traffic cone, not doing anything. And when he has to make a play, it's out by himself. And that's why you're seeing the missed tackles. You're not seeing the three force fumbles, the interception, because he's not covering guys. He's not playing by the line of scrimmage. You know, with moving a guy over like Cardell Flott, you know, I think that it's going to help a guy like Christian Fulton. It's going to take Kerry Vincent out, who's been getting picked on. But it puts your best cover corner on usually the best receiver on the opposite side. So what can we expect from this defense? I know there's a lot of new faces. Some guys may be coming back for this game. But, look, th- this is the final tune-up before SEC play starts. Yeah, Charles, I said this on a couple shows I did this past week, is that I think this is the perfect test for LSU going into the Florida game. You know, I think this is perfect. You're going to – Jordan Love is is a very good quality quarterback, NFL talent, and if there's any weakness, um, you know, he's going to pick it up. He's going he's gonna to find them weak spots. He's going to make those throws. Um, this defense is going to get tested, especially on the back end. I'd love the transition to moving Fulton there. Like you said, to the, to the inside, to the safety position, however they want to use them let Grant come up to the line a little more. I did catch a little bit of what Ryan Clark was saying. It's almost like Jacoby Stevens kind of moved into the role that Grant had last year. I like his play a lot more than Delpit's play this year. So if they can kind of find that happy medium, Charles, of of that performance with Stevens and Grant, that's kind of, I think, what they're looking for. Obviously, they're moving some guys around, some quality NFL talent. They're moving to new positions. They're trying to find that happy spot. 
Um, when you look at Utah State, Charles, when I'm breaking down their film, it's almost like I think where LSU wants to be next year in this offense. You you said it perfect. They're very balanced. They you know they they run quite a bit. They throw quite a bit. I'm like, man, this is where LSU needs to get. Now look, I'm not saying Utah State LSU, right? I'm not I'm not saying that they don't have the talent that we have, the athletes that we have. But how they the concept and how they run their offense, man, I, that's kind of where LSU wants to be a year from now. Yeah, look, uh, very balanced attack. Like I said, two running backs. And they're mm-hmm. talented at receiver as well. Uh, you have a guy in Mariners. Uh, oh, let's see how you say this name. I think it's Cioci. <laughs> I, I call it Mariner. I've watched numerous games. Yeah, Mariner. <laughs> but, and look, he's impressive. But a guy yes. that's really impressive to me is Devin Tompkins. Against um, yeah. Wake Forest, he had a catch and had extreme speed on that play. Uh, he's got breakaway talent. And look, you know, if you're going to be starting a guy like Cardell Flott, I mean, he bites on a coverage Utah State can score in a hurry. Their offensive uh, pace is faster than LSU's, which, you know, may be hard to believe, but it, it, it's faster. You know, Ogeron called it warp speed, but that's really what it is. No, it absolutely is. Charles, when, when you break down that film, like you said against Wake, you know, when I, the first few minutes of the tape, I'm watching and going, what, these guys are pretty good. Where, where, they just lack Charles and, you know, we all notice it is on a line of scrimmage as the game went on, you know, in the second, third quarter, you could kind of see they're just smaller than LSU. They, you know, the size isn't there on the offense and defensive side of the ball. I said, okay, that's where LSU is going to take a, take advantage of these guys. But as far as the outside, their wide receivers, obviously, we know Jordan loves talented. They have some athletes, you know, they have the quarterback. Uh, so if, if LSU can't get pressure on a quarter, quarterback, like they, they struggle with, these guys are going to have a long day in secondary. So, you know, like I said, I think it's the ideal, perfect game, perfect team for LSU before they, they get into SEC play to the meat of it. Because you're going to find out after this game, Jordan Love's going to expose, expose you if there's any weak spots. Look, I was on hard in the paint this morning with David Grubb. And, you know, I told Grubb, I said, look, this is one of those games where pass rush is going to be important. And, mm-hmm. and not that, but both lines of scrimmage. LSU's got to show that these lines uh, or these you know, defense and offensive line can dominate games, something we haven't seen yet. Uh, we've seen moments where the defensive line has looked good. Look, they look good in that first game against Georgia Southern, but it's Georgia Southern. Mm-hmm. I, I think Utah State is definitely a step above. And, and you look at Utah State's line, yes, you know, they're not as skilled and talented as what you see in the SEC. There's a size difference, but they've only given up two sacks. I know some mm-hmm. of that is attributed to love and he's had to get the ball out fast. But if LSU can't get to, to love fast, I mean, he's getting the ball out faster than than Burrow is right now. No, he, he absolutely is. And, you know, that's why it's just I keep re- reiterating that that fact that this is this is perfect. It's a good test. I mean, you said it. They're going to they're going to need the opportunity to put pressure on the quarterback. And I really want to see this, Charles. Like if LSU can't get pressure on Jordan Love and they struggle, you know, I know a lot of LSU fans ain't gonna like hearing this. It might be a long year moving into the meat of the SEC because now you've got to find creative ways sending blitzes, and we know what happens when you start sending too many blitzes and get exposed. So I really want to see LSU put pressure on a quarterback here. 
Um, and you don't have to get a whole bunch of sacks. I'm not saying that, but let's get some hands in his face. Let's get pressure on him without having to send the house. Yeah, I, look, I agree with you there. You yeah. know, this this is a 27 point game right now. Almost of the, all of the money uh, is coming in on LSU, and, and you know, being a 27 point favorite, it's like people really aren't looking at the details of this game. And I think some of that you have to you know step back and say, what kind of uh, talent has uh, Utah State faced? You know, their opponent's combined record right now is 13 and six. So you have to scratch your head and say, man, how how good are they? You know. Mm-hmm. They went to Wake Forest, almost won that game, but their other opponents, you know, aren't as good as Wake Forest, a Wake Forest team that's undefeated. You take away that Wake Forest team and you got a combined opponent record of eight and six. So I think you're going to find out how good this Utah State really is. Um, It's an 11 o'clock game. So while you think that's early for LSU, that's nine o'clock Utah time. So, you know, I actually think that's going to come into play where, you know, you look at that Vanderbilt game, I don't think LSU's defense is ready for that game. Yes, they had injuries, but that defense wasn't ready. And you have to remember, even though that was a road game, it was predominantly LSU fans, if not 95, almost 100% LSU fans of that game. The offense hasn't missed a step. The offense really hasn't missed a step all year, except for something I want to talk about, Josh, and something I talked about this morning as well, is the penalties. Uh, Ed Ingram, we expect to see him to play some this game. Don't think he's going to start, but it's a matter of if not, or not a matter of when, not if. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Ed Ingram will be your starting guard at some point, and he's a guy that I think helps Sadiq Charles, who hasn't had a good season, uh, a full complete season since his freshman year when Ed Ingram was to his right. So I think not only does this help just your interior and your run blocking, because Ed Ingram is definitely a road grader, but I think this is going to help Sadiq as well. Uh, what can we expect from this offensive line? How, how do we clean up some of the mistakes they've been having? Yeah, look, when, when you break down the film, Charles, for Utah State, their, their defense, you know, they have areas where LSU can take full advantage of, you know, of these guys. We're, I know we're, we're propping up Utah State on the offensive side of the ball. They look impressive. But, look, I'm going to call it how it is. When you break down that film on them, they have areas on that defense that, that are lacking. So this is a good game for that offensive line to get right. Um, you know, I, you shouldn't see too much pressure on a quarterback here. LSU should continue to roll uh, with this offense. You know, from what I'm hearing, Charles, and, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not the head coach or anything, that they're highly impressed with Ed Ingram. I know we've seen some pictures of him and stuff, but some sources that I've, that I've spoken with said he's ready to roll, that he prepped for some games, like it was games um, in practice, talked to numerous people that said he is ready to go. They seem pretty excited about Ed Ingram getting on the field this week. So don't be surprised if you see him out there pretty early. Um, but I do think he's be a main factor moving forward into conference play. He's that good. We've talked about him on the show numerous times. He's an NFL guard. You know, now you have pretty much three NFL guys there in your interior. Um, I, to me, he's just he's just that he's going to be a big factor moving forward in, in, into SEC play. He's that good. You know, some people I get the question a lot, Charles, and I know you do, too. Is it really going to make that much of a difference? How good is he? Is he in shape? He's good. Yes, he's an NFL guard. So it, that makes a big difference when you're playing the, the Floridas and the Alabamas and Auburns. Yeah, definitely. You know, this is the last tune up game. It's crazy to think that mm-hmm. we're. Uh, in, into week five, and LSU's about to start, you know, their their hectic schedule. October looks to be quite difficult, followed by a difficult November as well. But LSU coming off the bye week, 
Look, I think the offense, the passing attack, is going to have a lot of success against this Utah State team. But, Josh, I think I would like to see the running game be used a lot more, especially that running back position. We got a question asking about the young guys, mm-hmm. and I think this will answer it. It's just talking about the running back position. You know, I really like to see Ty Davis and Emory both get 10 catches out of the backfield. Uh, just running plays, you know, not not the passing plays, which I would also like to see some from them as well because I think that's going to be important against Florida is to not be one-dimensional. Because right now this offense, while, you know, looking at Tate, you may say, yeah, they're having some running success and they're setting up the run from the past. But I think teams can make this team one-dimensional if they want to right now. Yeah, look, this is this is a great opportunity now. And I know some people have been on Coach O and, you know, uh, John Robinson, an analyst uh, that's helping Coach O, has, has told them, hey, you got to get these young guys in. You know, look, it's already, you know, it's our fourth game, you know, fifth game. You know, here we are, and let's get them guys touches. Josh, you're dead on. I want to see Emery, Ty Davis. Uh, I want to see, you know, Clyde, Clyde get carries. I kind of want to see LSU handle it, Charles, like, like you're saying. Like, it is Florida. Like, hey, let's get a nice rotation going here where you, you're starting to see a true rotation where at the end of the game, Emery has touched the ball 12 to 17 times. Clyde's touched the ball eight to 15 times. You know, let's start to see that because, like you said, it, we're going to need a change of pace getting into the SEC. Clyde's a good back. He's a quality back. But he, he's not quite the game breaker. So the, the game breaker is Emory. Let's get the ball in his hands, like you said, 10 times a game. That's 10 opportunities. He, he might be able to break one. So that's what I'm hoping to see, expecting to see more of, like you said, a, a traditional rotation uh, that we expected to see from LSU early on. Well, no Terrence Marshall in this game. We expect to see a lot mm-hmm. more of Stephon Sullivan. But a guy like Trey Palmer or maybe a Derek Dillon, uh, even a Racy McMath could have some in- impactful playing time. What do you expect to see from the receivers in this game uh, against a defensive backfield for Utah State that Wake Forest had a lot of success against. Yeah, look, without, you know, getting on uh, Utah State too hard here, um, I would look at their their secondary as probably their weakest spot, Charles, on the entire team, if I had to pick, you know, a, a, a group. Um, so they're short, you know, they average, I think, right around 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, so LSU's wide receivers should put on a show. They should. I mean, they you know, and this ain't talking down to Utah State, or you know, bragging on LSU. LSU's got the quality quarterback and, and wide receivers to go out there, and they should be able to move the football up and down the field. Um, you know, so I expect a big game from these wide receivers and Joe. Uh, you know, they've looked great all year. I'd be surprised if LSU don't, you know, if Joe doesn't lead this game with four or five touchdowns, you know, three, three, three fifty plus. Yeah, it's definitely going to be something where the passing game can take uh, yep. advantage of this. But, Absolutely. you know, look, like I, I agree with you, and I think you agree with what I was saying earlier, is that I, we really would like to see the running game uh, take some strides this week. Mm-hmm. And and not only that, look, I think we would like to see the missed tackle issue fixed. Uh, Wake Forest had a ton of missed tackles against Utah State. And with, you know, the bye week, having two weeks to prepare for Utah State, then going to that Florida game, Tackling had to have been a focal point. I know O talked about it a lot last week and this week as well, but they only had one padded practice. Can we expect tackling to get better? I mean, I think it, it has to. Look, if, you, if LSU really wants to be in the talk, you know, for college football playoff, being on the top four teams, it has to get better. It has to improve. Some of our early 
early season tackling is, is it ain't just bad. Some of it was atrocious, man. It was just not what I'm used to seeing at LSU. You know, let's hope now these guys have got a few games under their belt. They've watched the film. Uh, it's it's just, I'm just not used to seeing it from LSU. That's you. That's usually one of the positives for LSU. And I, I truly believe some of it has to do with the offense causing these guys to be a little bit more tied, a little bit more winded. But you've had a couple of weeks now to learn that from that and prepare your team and your defense now. That hey guys, we're going to go back on the field and you know you're going to be a little more tired. So if you got to break down a little sooner. You know, I mean, they should have learned from these this first part of the season. Um, and I, I'll go back to when the, when Oregon was running that wild offense up there and the defense had to transition and learn from it. Um, I did hear from sources that, hey, they actually did go and look at some of that. How did Chip Kelly get his defense, to, you know, to, to condition themselves for that type of offense because they weren't used to it. So, um I'm 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 really interested to see what that looks like as a whole, Charles. Um, what's your opinion? Do you think it's more it's more just technique, or is it more to do with the offense? I I think the offense is just an excuse, and I yeah. think LSU okay. fans giving an excuse because they said, "Oh man, we're on the field for two minutes, and the defense is on the field for three minutes." Because right. look look at the teams they played. Teams have had success scoring in in, in spurts against LSU. And that or they have three and out. So the defense, in all honesty, really hasn't been on the field a whole lot, you know, in terms of, you know, a long period of time for drives. Mm-hmm. Minus that nine minute and 17 drive right. against Texas, LSU really hasn't been on the field for sustained drives that much. So conditioning, no, no way in hell should that be an excuse <laughs> for poor tackling. Uh, I mean, some of it's technique. Some of it's I want to make a big play. I mean, shoot, you know, you look at a, a defender coming up to make a play and he's trying to strip the ball, he's missing a tackle. Yeah. You know, wrapping up should be more important. And if you're going to point to anything, maybe it's the practice, uh, the methods of practice that, you know, goes on in football these days that they're not able to tackle. But, you know, look, let's compare them to the New Orleans Saints. You know, the first two weeks, the Saints defense in the past three seasons has had issues right. defensively. Defense, you know, the def- defense hasn't looked good. But we three rolls around. They're starting to not miss tackles. They're starting mm-hmm. to cover better. Look, it's week five for LSU. These issues on tackling should not be happening. And if they happen against Utah State, Josh, I'm going to be very concerned playing a Florida and an Auburn in October. No, that's that's what I'm getting at. People have been asking me a lot this week, Charles, and I both, I think we both, you know, are you know, agree on most of this is that. If we see after having, you know, a little bit of a break, this is the, you know, the fifth game. If we see those same issues arise again, Charles, no pass rush um, issues with tackling, I will be concerned moving into Florida. I, you know, I'm a, I would look at this as far as the, the team as a whole. And, you know, when, when they, we make predictions that that is a fault. LSU can, has trouble tackling this season. They can't get pressure on the quarterback this season. That's two areas that I'll look at and say, moving forward, we just know that's what we're going to have. Like you said, it's, this is the fifth game, like, and you've had two weeks to prepare. Either I want to see that cleaned up quite a bit. You know, not perfect, but that, all that, that stuff should be cleaned up by now. Well, Josh, looking at this game, I, I think we kind of know where you're going to go, and, mm-hmm. and I think where I'm going to go is pretty obvious as well. I don't think LSU loses this game, and I don't think you do either. But, look, LSU is a 27-point 20 favorite. That's a huge spread. And let's say in halftime this game's close 
What does Utah State have to do uh, on both sides of the ball to have this game close at half? Look, I, I know this is going to sound crazy, but it's going to be almost like what I'm talking about LSU. Watching them on film, if Utah State wants to keep this game close, they got to spread LSU out. They've had they've had trouble tackling. I spread them out and attack the secondary. That's where we've seen teams have success. Put their guys in space. We've talked about a couple of their wide receivers or athletes. Uh, put them guys in space and let's see if LSU can make plays. Can LSU tackle one on one? You know, and that's that's what if these guys want to be close, I think that's where that's what they're going to do. Attack those weaknesses that LSU has on tape right now. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised, Charles, if it's, you know, uh, a 28 to 17 game at half, something like that, that Utah State is more than capable of doing that. I just think LSU wears them, wears them down, Charles, as we get into third and fourth quarter, just because just because of the size of, you know, on the line of scrimmage. It's just Utah State can't compare. Well, look, LSU sits at even the turnover uh, margin mm-hmm. right now. Turnovers are going to be something that's huge. And, and the two biggest games that Utah State has played, Jordan Love has thrown five interceptions. Right. And so I think getting pressure, even though if it's not a sack, is going to be huge in terms of getting interceptions because where LSU has an advantage over this Utah State defense is in the um, secondary and with our receivers against Utah State. I don't think Utah State has that advantage when it comes to LSU's um, secondary. I think Utah State, to make this game close, they're going to have to run the ball. Even though they run a fast-paced offense, I think them running the ball is going to be key to Utah State staying in this game. No, I I think – I mean, that's – you know, when when you look at it, that logic – I just – I think it's just going to be tough for Utah State to consistently run the ball as they get into – you know, until later in the game – um, but yeah, I mean, if Utah state wants to stay in the game. That's, you know, obviously that's a logical way of thinking and they, and they should run the football. If LSU's getting, getting gashed by Utah state in the running game, Charles into the third quarter, into the early fourth quarter, you know, that next pod, we're going to, we're going to be breaking down some serious stuff. <laughs> yeah. Look, that Florida week is going to be a big week for us right. as we get into that sec play. Josh, before we run out of here, uh, we do have a couple of questions. One was about okay. that running back, and, and we did kind of talk about the rotation. We expect to see those young guys play a lot more this week. Look, Clyde is a great back, uh, but he's not an elite back at the end of the day. I think he fits this offense, but you've got two elite freshmen that, look, they're freshmen, but it's time to take the chains off of these freshmen and, and let's see what they can do against uh, better teams, but, you know, as we do get into the Floridas and the Auburns and LSU will be facing some really good defenses in the coming weeks. But this is the last game to get them some touches, to get them ready for those matchups. But another question comes asking about Jacoby Stevens. You had a tweet earlier today or it was yesterday uh, mm-hmm. saying that you want to see Jacoby Stevens used more. What do you mean by that? Look, so when I say, yeah, I think the tweet actually to unleash Jacoby Stevens. What I'm getting at is when, when, so when they went ahead and made that shift in the secondary and talk about moving Fulton. And I think they're, like I said, they're trying to find that happy spot like they had last year. I think when you unleash Jacoby is let him, let him do his thing, his natural thing. And that's play safety, but almost kind of play that outside linebacker position, blitz him, rush the quarterback, let him be that full, hybrid type of uh type of player he is um talking to some nfl scouts charles they're starting to really like jacoby because the fact that he does have pretty elite speed but 
he's a bigger body guy. And if you can get him up against the line of scrimmage, it's almost like having an, another linebacker there. But you've seen him against Vandy make that interception. He's extremely athletic. So when, when, when I say it's kind of let him be that, that guy that roams the field, not just roams at center field, but roams along the line of scrimmage as well. Yeah, maybe we can see Jacoby roaming a little bit more than Grant Delp, but get Grant Delp yep. up to make some plays. Mm-hmm. Delp is the playmaker. I'd like to see that. Excited to see what Christian Fulton can do in the slot as well. Josh, looking at this game, who do you see winning, and do you think LSU can actually cover that 27-point spread? I think they can cover, Charles, but I think it's, you know, it's going to be close, in my opinion. I've said this now since we got to see this LSU offense you know, move along. If LSU improves on on the defensive side of the ball and they clean up some tackling issues, you know, and they come out and play with energy, I think LSU can cover, you know, can cover it pretty easy. I think it's somewhere, it's going to be somewhere in that, you know, 40, you know, I've been saying that 45 to 21 is kind of what, I, what I'm looking at, Charles. I'm not sure where you have it, but um, with that being said, the LSU's offense, if it's hitting on all cylinders like it has been, this could be also one of them games that, that, can get up there because Utah State's defense, just in the secondary, there is a lack of talent in Utah State compared to our wide receivers. Yeah, I, you know, it could be one of those games where you score a bunch of points, you kind of take the soul away from your opponent. Right. Uh, and, Josh, a point I do want to make is this offense can still improve. You know, I talked about the penalties. Mm-hmm. Offensive line is obviously a huge area where this team can improve. Uh, and, and, you know, people were, you know, been going back and forth with me about this offensive line improving. Yes, you look at stats and say they're on pace to give up less sacks. Look, I agree with you there. But let me know one good defensive line you've played so far because you haven't played any. And, yeah. and Joe's done a great job of getting the ball out, but he's also taken some sacks. And I know some of those are against Miles Burnett as well. But, look, this is going to be one of those opportunities, again, where – you know, the offense, I, I think, is going to be able to score at ease. But, look, I, I keep hitting on it. This is a game where I want to see that running game going because there's no way to – there's no better way to get your offensive line rolling like running the ball down someone's throat. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree, Charles. It's, you know, it's spot on. So, it, it's going to be one of them games to see. I think LSU we – should, we should kind of see a dress rehearsal, Charles, of some sort here heading into Florida. That's kind of how I would handle it. I want to see – High LSU should be clicking on all cylinders. And if they're still not, that's when we'll talk in the next show is that, hey, moving forward all year, look, there's probably going to be a few issues that we'll, you know, we'll continue to talk about. Well, Josh, we appreciate you for coming on. Y'all make sure y'all follow Josh on Twitter at LSU F-Ball Truth and check out his website at LSU F-Ball Truth. Dot com. Josh, as always, brother, we appreciate it and look forward to breaking down this matchup next week and then previewing that pivotal, hopefully, top 10 matchup against Florida. Speaking of Florida-Auburn, who do you have? You know, I've, I've watched both of them, Charles. I think Auburn wins this game. And you know what? I would have never, ever said that if you would have asked me in week one. But after watching them both play, Charles, I think Auburn is a has a really good defense and an extremely good front seven. I think Auburn wins this game. Would who you got? You know, look, man, I think it's going to be a difficult game. I don't think Bo Nix is that good, but how good is Florida's quarterback? You know, right. it, it's a question. I think it's going to be a defensive struggle at mm-hmm. the end of the day. Um, you know, in my hope, I hope Florida wins this game 
I hope there's as much hype next week as possible because, look, Florida hasn't been in Death Valley uh, in a while. And last time they were there, it, it was like a 2.30 or 1 o'clock. It was some weird time yeah, game. Yeah. LSU lost, and the stadium wasn't even 50% full, 60% full. So I'm excited for fans to get back, yell at this Florida team, uh, mm-hmm. because, look, there's a lot of aggression that LSU fans have towards Florida for not only football, baseball, basketball, gymnastics. Right. I think every single sport. Florida's been more of a rival in terms of, total sport than any other university in the SEC. So, you know, I really want that matchup to be hyped and built up. And I would love uh, to go out and beat Florida if they're a top 10 team. A night game as well, because I think that Auburn game will be a 230. So, um, you look, Auburn's about to face the, their gauntlet for their season, uh, starting with this Florida matchup and ending with LSU. So, you know, I, I don't think Auburn's going to be undefeated. When if they win this week and when they face us, um, mm. I tell you what, Florida will be undefeated if they win this week. So I, you know, I'm I think Florida wins, but I'm also kind of pulling for Florida as well. Yeah, no, and I, look real, real quick is that I think it's one of them games, like you said, it's gonna be it's gonna be one of them tight games. I, it's probably gonna end up being 21 to 17, 17, 14, and it, it could kind of go either way. I think you said I think it's gonna be it's two two teams that their offenses are still trying to find themselves. But the front sevens on both sides on the defense side of the ball are extremely talented. So it should be a it should be a fun game. I'd like to welcome our guest today as Isaac Draxler over from the Aggie Up podcast joins us. Isaac, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing well. Can't complain. Should be an exciting matchup in Baton Rouge as the Utah State Aggies come in to face LSU. Uh, Utah State, uh, one loss in the season coming to Wake Forest. But other than that, has looked pretty impressive this year, led by a quarterback in Jordan Love. Man, watching Jordan Love on tape, guy looks like an NFL prospect. How good is he? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, what everybody says and, and what every every scout and, and publication is really starting to uh, to understand is he's got all the tools, he's got the size, he's got the prototypical arm strength and everything. I think the downside... Uh, so far this year has really um, kind of, I mean, his, his interceptions have definitely been the downside of, of uh, you know, it, it really cost the game against Wake Forest. Um, but I think at least three or four of those interceptions I can really point to looking back at were, were really the fault of, of the play call and, uh, and, and running the same play two straight times and and really running a you know running an out when when the cornerback you know any cornerback's going to know what's coming is going to jump that route and intercept the the football so that's been unfortunate um, I would that's the one thing that I would point at that's really been a little bit disappointing this year as a new offensive coordinator has has taken some time to kind of figure out uh, how to call plays with the new uh, new weapons for Jordan Love and and also obviously. Uh, coaching Jordan Love, but uh, Jordan Love is a is a, an amazing uh, player. As far as um, he has an amazing story, um, he's a really grounded, humble kid uh, that that was really lightly recruited. Uh, didn't have a lot of offers coming out of high school, but has really just uh, grown in leaps and bounds. I remember, you know, a few years ago watching uh, camp, fall camp. And just thinking, oh man, this is this is going to be interesting because this guy, uh, you know, hopefully he improves because 
he just looked a little bit tentative, a little bit unsure unsure of himself. Uh, but credit David Yost, who is the former offensive coordinator that got him in the game a few times as a, as a freshman. Uh, he came in early as a as an early graduate, you know. So he's just little by little has really improved and and grown in leaps and bounds really by now. So, you know, looking at Vlove, uh, man, I've seen some throws where it's like, am I watching a college quarterback or am I watching Patrick Mahomes? The ability he has to just flip his wrist and, and get that ball out there is truly yeah. incredible. Uh, and and on top of that, he's only been sacked twice. So it shows how elusive he is and how quick he really is getting the ball out. Over here in Baton Rouge, we've been talking about this fast-paced offense, but what I've seen from Utah State, and Coach O's even said it himself, is this is a hyper-speed offense, man. How, how fast is this offense, and, and what are some of your takeaways that you know, so far this season that have impressed you from what you've seen? Okay, so, so yeah, uh, Jordan Love has, has made some great throws, some amazing throws this year. Um, you know, hopefully the uh, the play calling kind of, um, you know, works itself out, kind of gets figured out uh, because that's had some issues, you know, going so fast. Sometimes you'll call, you, you'll have the same play twice in a row. And, uh, you know, it's happened twice this year that the cornerback jumps the route and kind of sees the play coming as a, as a repeat play, jumps the route, gets an interception. And uh, that's, that's basically the you know, at least two of his interceptions were kind of that situation where they were going so fast and basically repeated the uh, the play and, and and he threw an interception. But they do re- go really fast, and uh, and that can that can work really well. But at times it can kind of backfire as well. Well, looking at the matchup for uh, the running back position, that Utah State has a two-headed running back attack right now, and Jalen Warren and Gerald Bright, uh, both running backs over 300 yards. Uh, Warren averaging 6.7 per carry and, and Bright averaging five yards a carry. It, it looks like this Utah State team is pretty balanced when it comes to running and and, and throwing the ball. Uh, just those two guys, what has impressed you from both of those running backs? Well, I've I've been really impressed with uh, with Jalen Warren. He um, even in high school, he's a he's a Utah kid. He was a really impressive uh, running back. At, just basically finding the holes, being patient, having you know all the all the stereotypical things that you want in a in a running back. He's he's got pretty good size and power, and uh, he did get banged up the last game. So uh, Gerald Bright had to really carry the load. You know, thirty-seven carries was way more than the uh, way more than the coaching staff wants to uh, to put on his shoulders. Uh, so I haven't heard yet, uh, you know, what Jalen Warren's status is for the game. He's still got to get some results from an MRI and and some different things like that. He kind of banged up his shoulder. So crossing, uh, you know, we're all crossing our fingers. I'm I'm sure that we'll see both of those backs. If not, um, it'll probably end up being a freshman or a graduate transfer from BYU, uh, Riley Burt, that'll kind of step in. Uh, but that's really important because, uh, you know, the benefits of that hurry up offense is, is you're basically looking for mismatches and you're you're sometimes, you know, you're, you're taking advantage of not being able to substitute and different things like that. So if you've got a running back that can really you know run up into those those holes and, and get some yardage, uh, you're going to keep feeding them and you're going to keep going. So, uh, yeah, that'll be a huge um, thing to watch for for this Saturday. 
Well, looking at the receivers for Utah State, they've got uh, five guys that had double-digit receptions, and two guys I've really been impressed with on tape are Mariner and a guy in Tompkins. Uh, man, that play Tompkins had against Wake Forest, his breakaway speed was something that I expect to see from other SEC teams. How good is, is this receiving core for Utah State? Yeah, Tompkins has really stepped up, but I think even more than than a guy like Scarver, who we, who everybody expects to step up, and, and Jordan Nathan, who kind of returned as those two, top two guys that's been those those new guys in Mariner and Tompkins really stepping up huge uh, to, to become those go-to guys. I mean, Tompkins is that deep threat, but also, like you said, you can just get it, get the ball in his hands on a screen and he can, he can break, break it loose and go to the house. Uh, he's got that Florida speed that, uh, that the Aggies you know, would love to uh, take advantage of. And uh, Mariner, he's got, he's really just the steady, uh, steady possession receiver, a guy that, has a lot of experience coming over from the University of Utah, uh, playing in the Pac-12. He's not going to be uh, overwhelmed or or uh, you know nervous in in any situations. He's gonna he's been been great at stepping up, and I think he loves the uh, the chance of of catching catching balls from Jordan Love. Well, intangibles come into play in, in a lot of matchups, and something to look at is look. Uh, you know, over here in Baton Rouge, we hate early games. 11 o'clock games are, uh, are something that LSU fans are definitely not happy about, especially it being the second one in a row. But looking at Utah State, this is going to be like a 9 o'clock game for y'all. Do you think that comes into play for this matchup? Um, I don't know what the travel, uh, you know, plans are. I, I, I honestly, I'm pretty sure the uh, the Aggies are traveling over and uh, staying the night um so i don't think it'll affect too much as far as just waking up and getting getting to the to the stadium and getting going early um so i, I don't know if it'll affect too much i i'm i guess for aggie fans i'm sure they're hoping that it'll affect lsu and and uh, maybe lsu will be the team that's a little bit groggy and and tired uh you know a little slow start for that for them uh, with that early start, like you said, it's not ideal for probably what LSU would like to do. Um, you know, I know they're excited about playing Florida, you know, Saturday night the next week and, and that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that has any effect. It, it could affect maybe a slow start or something, uh, something like that. Well, Utah State coming off a of bye week. Where I've seen Utah State struggle is in that secondary facing an LSU passing attack that is one of the tops in the country right now. Do you expect to see any change in, in the defensive backfield for Utah State? Do you, do you expect to see them improve coming off that bye week? Well, luckily they have improved. Um, you know, that first game they tried to play a lot of uh, man-to-man against those big Wake Forest receivers, and it really backfired. Um, even the next week they they had a few situations against the FCS team, Stony Brook, that kind of made your, you know, made me shake my head that uh, an FCS team was kind of uh, picking on our our cornerbacks and and one on one covered. Uh, really, since then, especially against Colorado State, they've gone away from the the man to man and played a lot more zone. They've got a a really good receiver uh, named Shaq Bond. Uh, they can kind of put back in center field, and uh, and I and I expect to see that a lot it's almost like a 
I don't know what to compare it to, like a four two four, uh, whatever that would be. Um, you know, with with it's almost a nickel, but but basically a a one, you know, one uh, safety way in the back, and then four defensive backs, two linebackers, and then the defensive line. So. Uh, I think they, they they'll kind of play a little bit more conservative like that, and so it'll be interesting to see if it'll be sh- you know if those short passes will kind of uh, you know loosen up that defense, or if if LSU will be able to run the ball on the Aggies. It'll be really interesting to see kind of how that uh, how that plays out. Well, for this game to be close, what does Utah State have to do in Baton Rouge to have a close game down the line? Yeah, I think the Aggies uh, have really uh, – they've proven they can keep it close. I mean, I don't know if you if you watched the uh, Wisconsin game a couple years ago. Uh, that game was a really close game for a half. Uh, they've been able to keep uh, – you know, and obviously Michigan State, they almost pulled out last year. They almost pulled out the Wake Forest game. So I think the, uh, I think the Aggies have proven they can, they can keep things close. Um, you know, I'm sure. Uh, you know, you know, to 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 keep it close against LSU, who's a top five team, uh, they probably need uh, you know a really big game on defense as far as you know winning the turnover battle. Maybe some special teams uh, plays as far as a punt or a kick kickoff return or something. Uh, you know, a punt block, something like that. They would really need to uh, to come up with a big play like that as well as, as obviously Jordan Love playing well and, and hitting his receivers and kind of getting in some some rhythm. You know, uh, I keep thinking about the uh, the game that BYU played against LSU, and they just never – that, that was a couple of years ago, I guess, but they just never got into a rhythm. So that's kind of what I'm worried about on Saturday is if the Aggies don't get into a little bit of a rhythm, it's it could be kind of an ugly off, uh, ugly day on uh, on offense. Well, Isaac, we appreciate you for coming on and giving us some of your time. How do you see this matchup going? Well, like I say, I mean, I think I think uh, the Aggies can can move the ball a little bit. I, I don't know, you know, I'm sure you'll talk about it on on your part, you know, your podcast and and everything. Um, but hopefully the uh, the Aggies can get a little bit of rhythm, a little bit of um, room on on offense, put together a few drives, or uh, or come up with some big plays on defense and special teams to uh, to get some short fields to uh, to make it a little bit easier as well, because it doesn't seem doesn't quite seem like the uh, the LSU defense is is as um, as scary as maybe some years it's been. Um, but at the same time, like I said, it's, it's not going to be an easy task. So I think it'll be a high-scoring game. Um, I think the Aggies can keep it close, but uh, but I, I definitely see LSU as one of the top teams in the country. So it's going to be a really tough task to uh, to hold them, you know, say under 30 points or something like that. The Aggies um, haven't really proven that they can can stop a a, a good quarterback and a good receiving core. So I'm expecting LSU to score a lot of points, and, and hopefully the Aggies can score can score a lot of points as well. So we'll see on on Saturday. It'll be fun to be in Death Valley and and you know making the trip. So hopefully it'll uh, it'll it'll be well one way or another. It'll be worth it. So it'll be it'll be fun to be down there.
Well, unfortunately, it's not a night game, so you won't get to get as much tailgating in as usual. But make sure you try the, the alligator. Make sure you get some of the good food and uh, enjoy the hospitality that tailgating is down here. But, Isaac, look, I agree with you 100%. LSU, on the defensive side of the ball, has had a lot of struggles, especially stopping the pass. Uh, you see that Texas game and, and what Ellinger was able to do against LSU's defensive backfield. And, and they're making some some changes this week as they're starting a freshman on the outside, moving Fulton into that slot position. And they're out of a few defensive linemen and pass rushers for this week. So I, I agree. Look, man, I think Utah State's going to be able to move the ball. I think that 27-point spread is, is a, a little bit too much for this game. Um, I, I really wouldn't be surprised to see a close game at the half. But, um, look, once again, we thank you for coming on and giving us some of your time. In terms of what you'll have for this matchup coming out this week, what can we expect to get more of this Utah State side uh, for this matchup on Saturday? What – say that again. What, what do you expect to see? Uh, what can we expect from you to put out this week uh, for this matchup? Oh, so, uh, so yeah, so – I'm a, I'm a contributor and and uh, you know you can go to ustateaggies.com is uh, is the basically the 24 uh, seven sports site for Utah State and so we have a message board there we'll we'll have some uh, some content out there and uh, we we're we're trying to get together and and do uh, kind of a breakdown for the uh, podcast as well so you can find the Aggie Up podcast on um, you know any any of the uh, you know, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, all the the different podcast uh, places that you uh, that you listen. So, yeah, tune into those. Well, Isaac, thank you again for coming on and giving us some of your time. Yeah, thank you, guys. Once again, want to thank Isaac for giving us some of his time. Y'all make sure y'all go follow him on Twitter to get everything Utah State at Aggie Up, the uh, host of the Aggie Up podcast. Uh, look, man, I agree with him there. You know, I think this game could be close. Uh, going into halftime, I think ultimately LSU pulls away. I think LSU has too much firepower on offense. But, you know, this is going to be a game where the defense gets tested. So, uh, look, excited to see what the defense can do. I'm hoping that they can create some pressure. If not, uh, <laughs> the recap is going to be something to listen to uh, as LSU gets set to take on Florida uh, following this week's matchup. But for Josh Lemoyne and for Isaac Drexler, my name is Charles Reese, your host. Y'all have a great week, and as always, God bless you.